Welcome to the Pit Stop Podcast, your fast-paced podcast for Formula One news and analysis. Throughout the Formula One season, we will be recapping every race as well as breaking down the biggest stories on and off the track, all before setting you up for the next race on the Formula One schedule. Whether you're a seasoned Formula One fan or you have just discovered the rush of racing, this podcast has something for you. Okay, here we go. Welcome back to another episode of the Pit Stop Podcast, presented by the Ordinary Podcasting Network. I am Braden Deller-Coltman. I'm joined with Jordan and Tyler. Gents, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix went last Sunday at the Baku City Circuit. Another impressive performance from Red Bull, finishing P1 and P2, Max and Checo, respectively. Uh, with the formidable foe in Mercedes right behind them, with Russell collecting his third P3 finish of the year, and Hamilton on the outside looking in. Uh, some notable DNFs we'll dig into, but the biggest of all coming in both the Ferrari seats. Jordan, is Ferrari squandering their opportunity for a world championship? Uh, I mean, the inconsistencies we've seen from their car so far is immense. Yeah, they definitely have the most reliability issues. Uh, early on, we were talking about Red Bull had some, they've certainly sorted that out. But Ferrari, and not just the Ferraris themselves, but Ferrari-powered cars seem to be struggling, especially in hotter race conditions. So lots of different uh, question marks coming out of this that we didn't necessarily have going in, but I would agree with you. Yeah, they are starting to uh, to see that, you know what they had at one point a lead is gone and now they're starting to see a gap open up between red bull and themselves i think it's 80 points in the constructors title so big big points for the double finish and uh, and also a fastest point for for perez which helps red bull's cause but yeah ferrari is definitely in a uh in a less favorable position than we thought they were going to be after the first couple races and they're starting to get to the point where they're gonna have to start making some changes or they're gonna start to really really struggle well, and that's the thing is the changes that they're going to have to make are going to cost them um, grid placements after qualifying because they're running out of engines. They're running out of um, different uh, systems on their cars that they're going to start getting penalized for. Um, it's a very, very strict uh, a 22 race season where you're allowed to only have three combustion engines, three motor generating units, kinetic, uh, three motor generating units for your turbo recovery three turbochargers, two batteries, and two control electronics. So they've already gone through their turbo ones that, that they're not going to want to use another. So they're going to have to take one off of one of their old broken cars, put it on for Canada. If they can't do that, then they're going to get a track, a track grid placement penalty, or they're going to have to start, they're going to have to completely redo the engine and then start from the pits on the Canadian Grand Prix. So they're in a lot of trouble, not just based on their own, um, flaws with being able to make it through a race, but now they're, they're going to struggle having track placement after qualifying before they can even see if they're going to get through the race. And we, I mean, and now we've, we've also seen other Ferrari engines have problems. Is this across the board with the Ferrari engines? Is this just now a problem? It seems to be. I mean, yeah, we definitely yeah. saw that to, uh, this weekend too, with, I mean, all three of the DNFs that were before the, the, crash incident for for stroll um were if you all can call it that well yeah any of the ones that were failures were all ferrari engines failing right so you had both yeah. ferraris and then you also had magnuson in the haas and i mean Zhao had a problem too with the alfa romeo uh, but poor guy though he had an incredible pass and then all of a sudden yeah. they said you're done 
But it is definitely starting to become a pattern where we're seeing engines, multiple engines from these manufacturers go out in the same races, which is which is interesting. We saw earlier in the year Red Bull, Red Bull and AlphaTauri struggling at the same time. So it does seem to be that similar things are happening. But I, I mean, it, it's one of those things. This is this is part of the sport. You know, you have to be able to build a car that can do two things. One be incredibly fast and then be incredibly effective, you know, at actually racing. And then two, it's got to be reliable because you are using the same um, parts and the same, the same machine over and over throughout the course of a race. As Tyler said, you know, you can take penalties and every, every team moves through multiple engines uh, components throughout the season. That's the whole idea of it, but you really have a plan when you come into a season as to how long you're going to stretch those components. And for Ferrari, that timeline is shifting dramatically. And it's uh, definitely, I think Tyler's back on it's start it's going to start to become more and more of a headache for them um and and more of just an absolute you know gift wrapped uh present for red bull because at, at red bull's current pace nobody other than ferrari has the race pace to match them right now um so as it, it, as long as ferrari continues to struggle it just makes it easier and easier for red bull to pull ahead and it's kind of it's it's completely opposite from the beginning of the season when we were talking about red bull's reliability issues and we thought that they on their first um, generational um, engine that they're building themselves with the guys from Honda, we thought they were going to have the reliability issues. It seems like they've solved theirs. And now Ferrari is starting to test theirs are the flaws are coming out and yeah, it's not just Ferrari. It's, it's the Alfa Romeo and Haas and Haas. I believe Schumacher just had a new engine for this last race. I think it was the first time on the certain parts of his engine and it, that busted on him. So Man, is it like because for Leclerc just had four straight poles and he didn't win any of the races? Well, and he was in a great position in this race too. I mean, so yeah. was Sainz. They were both they were both pushing Red Bull, and and I mean, you can't you can't do much when your car is not working. And let's 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 be honest here. It's not just the reliability issues of the Ferrari. It's there's being mistakes made by Sainz, and there's being mistakes made by Leclerc. I think they both spun out and and cancel the race for themselves the last out of the last three, they each had a, a spin out. Um, and even in this race, Leclerc did not get a good start. He, he uh, locked up on the first turn and gave that position to Perez. And that was the first of many of the last uh, flaws for the, the race yesterday. So just shifting gears here a little bit, uh, but speaking about uh, sp spinning out, we, there was an incredible, a recovery from Sebastian Vettel and yes. you know, Jordan, you want to talk about Vettel's performance in both qualifying, but also the race. He had a, he had a, a incredible pace. Uh, I, I'm surprised that he was able to even finish in sixth place after taking a wrong turn or, or not. I mean, that's what it looked like. He was, he was over, he was passing uh, on, on that. I think it was turn two or three or something. And he just kind of took a right turn and then completely, you know, swerved his car back into the race and uh, finishing P6. Jordan, what was, what was your takeaway here from Sebastian Vettel and his performance here? Well, both Vettel and Alonso demonstrated that there is still great um, importance to experience. And this is definitely a sport that is being dominated right now by some young drivers, but the experienced drivers are, are, are showing them more and more how you have to be able to be consistent time and time again. And Sebastian Vettel has had some struggles early in the year. He hasn't got the, the car working exactly for him, but this was definitely his best weekend. Qualifying went really well for him. We saw amazing pace from him. At one point he was near the top of the, the, the timing charts. Uh, he got himself into Q3, if not for the first, but definitely one of the only times this 
season. He's found himself up there um, and phenomenal results for him coming into the race. And then, as you say, he had one of the early overtaking opportunities using DRS to get around um, that it was either Alonzo or Ocon. It was definitely an L he made an outside move on him and he did kind of lock up and then ended up in that runoff. And we had talked on our last episode about how one of the fun sort of quirky things about this track specifically are all the like 90 degree turns. There's sort of an entire section where you do like four 90 degree turns in a row. Uh, and he, he, he spun out, but immediately just with just completely effortlessly, you know, I watched Top Gun last week and there's a joke in there about like, you can't fly a fighter jet while thinking, you just have to feel it. And that's what he was doing. You can just see he's so in tune with that car. He flipped Mm -hmm. it 180 degrees and got back in the track and only gave up six seconds. That's a bad pit stop. Like the truth is that was effortless. And I think he only lost one position and then ends up finishing the race in six, which for him, best result of the season. Uh, This again was a race he was on the podium for last year. So clearly a big fan of Baku. Uh, Anyway, um, for me, it he was, did um, almost run into Zhao, I believe. It was though, close. When he came it, back on. It, it he was true. very yeah. close. Yeah. True. But again, I think uh, just a phenomenal, a phenomenal race and a lot of fun to watch the wily old veteran out there just really, really putting in a good result. And, and I also say the same for Alonzo, who has been a thorn in the side of a lot of the midfield guys, because when he's gotten up into positions, he's become the bottleneck. This, this race, you know, he, he ran a very good race on his own and didn't have to have any kind of those tricks to, to stay in the position he had. He just earned a solid uh, seventh place. I think he was actually ahead of Vettel near the end and realized he didn't have the pace either. And Vettel overtook him, but a great, great race for two wily veterans, uh, sixth and seventh. And also it, it kind of like shit all over Lance Stroll, this race too, like Lance Stroll in qualifying spun out and crashed twice in the same lap. And had a horrible weekend, and then he was nowhere yeah. last. I think he did. He, yeah, they oh, DNF him. DNF. No, that was. Are you, are you that was definitely no. That was definitely something I want to talk about with qualifying. So he 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 runs into a barrier yeah. and uh, doesn't do too much damage. He's able to back out and you know and continue. And the, the, the problem was that we were dealing with uh, the time left in qualifying. It was very clear. He probably wasn't going to have time to go into the pits and, uh, and then cut, get back out in time. So I think the plan was still, he was going to retire the car just because they weren't sure what condition the wing was in, but he clearly was driving beyond what the capabilities of either the wing or himself were. And then he crashed and like ended up causing a red flag while he was yeah. on his way home to the pits. Like what a, just what a, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I, it's a bad I, season for him. It's just a bad one, man. It's just, it's, it, it's not a good look. But I can't let you. I can't let you talk about flowers for Vettel and uh, Alonzo without a middle field sweetheart and Pierre Gasly's. Well, P five. That's what I was just gonna let you to talk about here, Tyler. Your guy Pierre Gasly had an amazing race. He was to me the most exciting person to watch in this race because once the Ferraris went out and it was, it was kind of one of those race weekends where if you look at the racing, there wasn't much to be had, but there was a lot of events, a lot of guys that went out, a lot of DNFs, some bad pit stops, but the racing itself wasn't um, as exciting as some of the last ones, especially the race we had last week or two weekends ago. And it was this is now Pierre Gasly's second race in a row where he's kind of been like everyone's talking about for at least half an hour. And then it was, it was bound once uh, Lewis Hamilton put new wheels on at the, towards the end of the race there, you knew that Hamilton was going to pass Gasly, but man, is it fun as a Gasly fan to watch him finish fifth. Um, and he was on the podium last year at Baku, I believe. So he loves this race just as much as Vettel does. 
it's a nice looking race too. Like as a spectator, the street, the the castles, it's yeah, the castles. it looks awesome. I mean, it was it looks like it's hot as hell too. That, that's the only problem. It may it might look good, but I don't think it's a very fun drive for those drivers out there. That road did not look very comfortable, and obviously, uh, we saw. Well, now was that, that the was that the road or was that? No, the, I think it's a contri- it's it's both pieces because multiple teams were complaining coming out of the practice sessions about the uh, condition of the actual road. So obviously, it's a, it's a converted street track. It has not been resurfaced in two years. So there's a lot of areas on that track that are just not particularly fun to, to drive. I think uh, it was either Norris or Ricardo was saying in the, uh, after uh, P2 or P3 that there was literally one turn where the exact point they wanted their apex to be, there was like a, a, like a literal divot and they had Ooh. to start to change the way they were Potholes. making certain moves. Well, not, not that bad, but <laughs> enough that they were feeling it and enough that it was affecting you know lap time so that they were... At, changing off of the ideal line to to avoid road condition and that's not what you want in, in at any point and then obviously you know when you compact that with some of the issues we've been seeing in these cars with porpoising and the other sort of effects these cars are hard to drive in the best conditions there are, are not the most comfortable to drive in the best conditions and obviously you know the mercedes i think were the worst for wear at the end of it but well, let's talk about that because I mean, we even heard it all over the radio. Hamilton saying, "My back cannot keep up with this." We we heard Pierre Gasly in an interview after two saying, "Does that you know the FIA needs to change this, or else I'm going to be walking with a cane before I'm 40 here?" Yeah, uh, and- it, this is this has to be a priority. This is beyond just the un, the discomfort driving a vehicle. This is health and safety. And somebody at some point within the FIA has to make that decision because the drivers are mentioning it, but. Here's a problem. Christian Horner came out today and said that those drivers are exaggerating it. And if not every driver experiences it, then there shouldn't be a rule change. But that goes against what the FIA is in, in trying to keep your drivers safe. Because I'm sorry, I, did I, you say Christian Horner came out and said something stupid? <laughs> yeah, I did. And he's, oh. he's, he said oh. that I would probably tell my drivers to say the same thing if we were like losing races and yeah, it was a problem yeah. for them, but because Red Bull kind of has the porpoising figured out, the other teams aren't figuring it out. And the reason that they're kind of not figuring it out is because their cars faster. If they don't figure it out, Yeah, they don't want which to bring is up the, the problem is that yeah. at some point, someone has to protect these guys from their own teams. And that is what the FIA is supposed to do. So, and, and there was even like total wolf, even said yesterday, he's like, well, I don't, I, I'm not sure if Hamilton's going to race next week. Like it's so that's quick. The, that's the problem. That's a problem. Nobody Absolutely. wants to see Hamilton have to sit out because of an injury. And at, yes, yeah, so at some point, well, the FIA the, or somebody yeah. has to come in and say, this, it's not safe. And there has to be some type of rule to make it safe. Even if it does slow down all the cars by one hundredth of a second. Well, and we were talking earlier, I think it might've been earlier in this season or even late last season when I was kind of confused about why, why are they stopping the car? There's like a, a minor problem with it. Well, if it's unsafe to drive, you can't drive the vehicle. And that now, too goes- let's talk about that though. I think with the safety of a True, driver. But let's also have a conversation real quick here about <laughs> so- keep- somebody's rear wing because we saw an, like a, a complete failure of the, dia- the, the 
uh, DRS wing on the back of Yuki Sonoda's car. It looked car. like something hit it, like something broke. Sure. It, so that only half the flap like, definitely broke like. in half, right? So yeah. half of it had opened and half of it didn't. But they the the challenge is once that kind of in, integral piece of the vehicle is broken, it could rip off, it could fly off at any point. And I mean, it's at a pretty dangerous height there. Regardless, he came into the pits, both Crofty and uh, well, both guys on the commentary, and I believe Paul Deresta was on the pit wall who had also sort of argued look that they can't race like this this is against actual written rules they like the car has you can't have things flapping around he came into the pits they just threw some gaffer tape on it sent it back out just duct tape it up it's like red green was in the pit crew for them send him back out and they're ready to go which was surprising wow. to me that they red were even allowed green. to do red that. green that was an old, was an old wow red green i wonder how many of the viewers are gonna that's a canadian show. f1 yeah red green yeah. oh no that yeah that was fantastic i got a very deep 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 well of references we'll pull all kinds out today for you but for me i looked at that and i went is that worth a penalty later like does that cost them something at some point we saw earlier in the race a a, a team error cost latifi uh five seconds or 10 seconds stop and go penalty and it was nothing he had done i mean nicholas latifi is we all know in terrible uh form when it comes to taking misguided steps and mistakes and all kinds of things this time it was his pit crew who for some reason were within that 15 second time where they have to have cleared the car from the pit before the formation lap and they were still there doing something cooling it or just pushing it back he was just pushing it back he was just too far just over the line but so the guy kind of pushed it he didn't do anything he did nothing he's no point being he was where he wasn't supposed to be and it cost them so you see something so so sort of small as that cost them and then you have to ask yourself it it is safety enough enough of an issue that this costs them later i don't think it will but it, i mean it will it was, be if it drivers it will be if drivers start sitting out races that part for sure that part for sure if hamilton goes i listen i can't i, I just cannot do it um yeah. he's not a young guy i know yeah. how much my back hurts and i don't do anything athletic so it's it's like at some point it, this is going to have to happen and that's the shame of it is someone has to protect these guys from themselves sometimes the same yeah, I mean, thing with it, the yeah, halo totally. they didn't like the 100%. halo when the halo yep. came out and yep. the halo has been known to save lives. Oh, saved it saved, saved Roman Grosjean's life without question. Yeah. And right. the time when red uh, Verstappen parked his car on top of Lewis Hamilton saved yeah. him then too. Or like, in the same race, the Grosjean went into the barrier. Lance Stroll flipped completely upside down. Yeah. Yes. So you're right. hundred yeah. percent. Safety is definitely something that they will have to continue to think about. The challenge here is it's, is, this is a question is, is it safety or is it discomfort? And that's the challenge here, right? Because I, I, I do appreciate that if it, if it continues to happen, it will cause injuries. Right. But yeah. the point I think that they will make to, to the teams before they implement anything is you have a way to prevent this, which is adjust your ride height change the way that your vehicle is designed clearly yeah. it is not affecting everybody so at some levels i can but understand it, that however but it does affect performance of the vehicle yeah no exactly it's definitely a flaw in the overall design of these new generation cars that some teams have figured out solutions to and some teams yet have yet to do it's frustrating as a mercedes fan to see the regression to races because barcelona they were on fire they were driving phenomenally now i look forward to when they For get track. back to yeah, I look forward to when they get back to like a traditional circuit like Silverstone um, or Paul Ricard when it's a perfectly, you know, uh, diamond cut gravel surface that is just mm-hmm. absolutely flawless and is smooth as hell with with without any of these kind of imperfections to begin with. And when they're able to get that flatline speed dialed in the way they did in Barcelona, that will reduce that porpoising. So hopefully at those yeah. courses, you're going to see better. Here's the challenge. Next week, 
pretty much the same conditions because this is another converted uh, street circuit. Street and street. although it hasn't been raced in a couple of years, and I would assume it's been well maintained, um, it, it it has it has some of its own kind of imperfections too. And so it'll be interesting to see what changes, if anything, Mercedes makes um, going into that, uh, or whether they're just going to have to start to, as you say, like like you know, compromise performance to to protect their drivers' physical well being. Before we leave Azerbaijan behind here, we, we have to talk about the performance of uh, the eighth and ninth spot, Daniel Ricciardo, Lando Norris, McLaren team had um, a very eventful uh, race. I think they, they started outside of the points um, together and ended in the points together. Uh, they were pretty much, <laughs> uh, you know, together the entire race, uh, save for a couple pit stops there. Um, Tyler, what were, what were takeaways? Did you think Norris should have finished above Ricardo? There was Ricardo right to be in the lead there. Um, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is that Lando Norris sure as hell wanted to take over in that last lap. There, you saw him go side by uh, side by side with Ricardo and then step off the pedal. I think that was a message, like maybe not a huge message, but like, hey, I could have passed you if I wanted to. I'm doing what the team asked me to do and stay behind you, but. I need you to know, and I need the team to know that I am faster than you. And I could have easily passed you a couple of times if I had wanted to. Now they're both stuck behind Ocon. Was that who they were stuck behind? It was an uh, Alpine car. Yeah, well, they were stuck. Well, Ocon Alonso, Alonso was. Yeah. Alonso, yeah. But you know, it's interesting to say that too, because earlier in the race, it was Ricardo saying to the team, I've got, I've got faster pace here. I can get ahead of, uh, of right. Norris. And I need, first to, I need to be, you know, like, so they both have the exact same mindset, which I think is of benefit, but it, 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 you know, it's, and we've seen this with Ricardo in the last two teams he's 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 been with is is this battle for first and he's clearly a, a strong driver but in this situation of of kind of ego bumping yeah i think i mean look you want your both drivers to be competitive and uh, you know tyler and well, all three of us at some point this season have acknowledged how much more fun it is when you've got two guys competing. I'm thinking back to the early fight between Ocon and Alonso in the first or second race of the season where then yeah, it ended up costing great. them, but we were kind of saying it wasn't that great to have. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, this was one of the, the you know, I'll give Tyler uh, credit. He, yes, Gasly had a great race. It was exciting to watch where he was. And yes, the battle Hamilton put in to get back to where he was, was exciting. And he made some good moves, but the truth for me was I found the McLaren sort of struggle and, and back and forth all race, the most entertaining part of the race, you know, because you had the internal team dynamics of it. Uh, you had the radio calls where they were kind of explaining to each other driver, the different scenarios in which yeah. they would let one or the other invert. And you could tell they were some, some sort of mind games being played there. Uh, both drivers, obviously desperately wanting to prove themselves, especially Ricardo who has struggled and, and Norris, who has obviously been the more dominant of the two of them in the last two seasons. Um, and they're neck and neck with their sort of equivalent rival all season long, which is Alpine, who's sort of been the, the, the you know, from McLaren and Alpine, they are the two um, closest together in the midfield fighting for, for those sort of mid table points. And it, it was just, it was a good fight. It was fun to see. And they, they pushed each other, I think through both wanting that. And I think that's what a team really needs is, is two drivers who have, even if it's slightly different strategies and slightly different uh, styles of driving, you want them to be able to push each other to be better because their own competitive drive, even when the two of them are fighting for the same spot 
propels them both into their better, the best performance they can have. What you don't want is two drivers who are just, you know, bitching and bickering with each other and it's costing them position or two drivers who are slowing each other down because of the internal battles. In this case, it, it, it did feel like at no point did either one of them really jeopardize the other. I would only put a little asterisk on that because I do think if they had let Ricardo pass Norris on the first stint, R- Ricardo had the the pace to maybe have a, a slightly better result. But to be honest with you, he wasn't getting past Gasly and Hamilton and those guys anyway. So it was really a fight for somewhere between sixth and ninth. And that's where they finished. But, but Norris did let him pass eventually on that. Cause they, they did the pit well, stop. A couple laps before that though, I think Ricardo would have liked to have passed and had his first crack at O'Connor. Sure. On his own, and I, I like that Norris at the end, brought it back is like oh no the the race director has said hey we like we're yeah. this we're returning yep. the favor right now that's right. so but i think what lando norris said was the right thing to do is like but that was at the beginning of the race when we're going for strategy and i respect the strategy mm-hmm. but now we're talking about race finish yep. so let's let's we, we at some point we have to stop thinking about oh we owe them because they owed us at the beginning of the race that was 50 laps ago let's try to get up one um, and now I see like, it doesn't matter to um, McLaren who's eighth or ninth, like they're going to get the same amount of points. Yeah. But I, I like, I don't know. I was kind of on Norris's side there. I was like, just get out of the way, Ricardo, like, or Norris just pass him, just yeah. do it. And, and uh, Norris said today, he's like, if I, if I was more of a rebel, I would have finished eighth, but he didn't. And I think, I think he actually pulled up beside Ricardo just to say, I could have did it, but I didn't, yeah. but I could have. Yeah. You know, it's, and he likely could have finished higher too. I think that pit stop was poorly timed. Uh, that that first one he had, he he came out behind like five or six other guys, and it pit was stops just, were bad. Pit stops yeah, were bad this week all around. Yeah, there were some missed. There was well, and there were definitely a few uh, missed opportunities. Both Ferraris missing on the virtual safety car early on too. That that not that it ended up costing them, but just some strategy that definitely was confusing. Um, but again, at the end of the day, when you're on a street circuit. You you have to expect flags at some point, and that's what ended yeah. up being being the difference for for Ferraris. They just happen to be the teams that didn't get to finish. <laughs> and I do want to shout out to uh, Zhao Guan Yu for his race because yeah. before he had the DNF, man, was he fun to watch yeah. yesterday? Like he was, I was actively rooting for him. I was like, man, this kid's killing it because Botas did not have a great race, and he was slow pretty much all weekend. Him actually, Botas getting into fifteenth uh, on practice one. P1, or sorry, qualifying one. We confused this last time, Jordan. I don't want to do it again. The first qualifying with all 20 drivers, uh, they weren't able to get around again, but everyone just barely got around. And that's when Botas got out yeah. of, um, when he got up into 15th on the qualifying, was able to get into Q2. But that was great for Botas, but then he was nowhere to be found all week. And Zhao was on he fire. Fin- he finished P11. Like he was lucky enough to, and that's probably due to a lot of those DNFs. But yeah. 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 But it was, I mean, Zhao was great this yesterday. And, and I hopefully he puts it together. I mean, he hasn't finished a race in, in I think, three or four races, but um, three that races. Isn't his, that isn't, isn't necessarily his. He, he's problem. not a finisher, yeah. but he's exciting to watch uh, for the first little bit. And yesterday was his best race of the year, I think, of his career. Any final thoughts here before we leave Azerbaijan? <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't need to talk about Red Bull. Red Bull is Red Bull. Yeah, Red Bull's Red Bull. Actually, it's the first time since 2011 that Red Bull is in uh, the first and second spot in yeah. driver standings. And they just look so good right now. Like I don't yeah. like I don't even know what to say about them. They just it is together. Those two guys are gelling perfectly, um, and it's just it, 
they're really fast. They're really fast, but you know who's faster? Like Max is is considerably faster. Yeah. It's, it's really kind of crazy. Uh, the same yeah. cars, you know, but the pace just seems insane with Max. The Ordinary Podcasting Network is excited to announce that we have launched a merch store on our website. The store is full of ordinary swag, including t-shirts, hoodies, and hats. You can pick out something awesome and support your favorite podcast today by heading over to OrdinaryPodcasts.com. All right, we've got uh, an exciting next race coming up here. But before we do that, Jordan, you've got some news that you'd like to share with us. Well, uh, just, you know, we like to follow along with the outside the sort of regular season things that are going on. And there was some interesting rumblings out of both Alpine and Williams this week. It sounds like um, Alpine reserve driver and sort of the the best guy outside of Formula One. Um, Pastrami. Yeah, Piastra, Oscar Piastri. Uh, it looks like he is probably going to take one of the Williams seats for next year. I would assume it's the Tifis. Yeah, um, I would say I put my life. Yeah, I put it. some money on that too. I would have put that money at the beginning of the season. It yeah. has not yet been announced. Before I even does, knew his name. <laughs> it does sound like Alpine has allowed him to begin negotiations with Williams, and it's possible we would have an announcement as early as the first week of July, which would be the British Grand Prix. So, uh, I'm not a, an, an F1 insider, but the reports from the people I've following seem to indicate that this is coming. So that would definitely be exciting. Cause I think that that's another really exciting young driver who yep. formula one desperately needs uh, in their sport. Um, it, you know, there's always one or two guys who miss out on, on seats that you really look at and be like, man, he should be there. The other guy is obviously a guy who was there last year, which is Antonio Giovinazzi, but he had his chance and it didn't work out very well. This is a kid who has yet to have his real shot in one of these cars. And I think that he has the same potential um, to really quickly grab on uh, and, and, and move up as a guy like Russell did or a guy like um, Lando Norris did, uh, where they kind of came in with every other um, step check marked, you know what I mean? Or even frankly, uh, Mick Schumacher who, who had won at every other level. So this is one of those guys who's not jumping the queue. Let's say this yeah. is not about money. This is a guy who has earned his stripes and has earned his position. And it'll be exciting. I don't think there's going to be a seat open at Alpine, at least unless Alonso decides he wants to retire. I think they're going to have to drag him kicking and screaming away from the sport again, uh, because he just continues to get better with age. In so fact, good. one thing I forgot to mention in the last section, which I think definitely deserves to be mentioned this last grand prix at azerbaijan um meant that alonso is now the uh oldest driver to have ever driven a formula one race so he is now oh. the longest he has the longest tenure and he's the oldest driver to have ever started and in his case finished uh, a formula one race which is phenomenal uh just another check mark on what has already been a pretty phenomenal career but Oscar Piestra right at the beginning of his, and, and that would be great to see. I think he would, I think he would do really well at Williams because obviously Williams is still yeah. developing and, and, and figuring it out, but we've seen Albon pull more out of that car, obviously than Latifi has. And I think that he could be a similar thing for Williams that George Russell was, yeah. which is a really yes. competitive guy who can yes. push their development and push their car, maybe just a little past its actual uh, potential. And that's what they need. Also, if you think about where best places to be right now for him, Williams is probably one of the better spots specifically because Lewis is get, not getting younger. And if he does two years at Williams, Lewis's contract comes up, I could just be like, jump him up, just get him in here. Just the same way that they did with George Russell when Botas left. So 
I think one of the better spots. To I be. think there's a couple guys who have their eyes on that spot, though. One of them uh, may or may not currently drive in the Red Bull development program, and I'm thinking he probably is the first. Yeah, but guy that doesn't that necessarily mean you're right. That you're right. You're Fiasche right. You're doesn't right. prove. You're right. You're right. You're right. But I, well, I would love that. It would be awesome. Yeah, I would love. Obviously, that. we're talking about Gasly. Um, yeah. Yeah, because he's yeah. Gasly has got to leave now. That like, as it's supposed to talk about driver seats for for next year, they just re-signed uh, Red Bull. Just re-signed um, Perez, so Gasly is not going to get that Red Bull seat. His contract is up at the end of this year. He probably will be welcome back to AlphaTauri if he wants it. But what's there? There's nothing there for him right now. So this is sticking out though. And if he keeps getting his points, you know, like he'll get an opportunity. He'll I get hope an opportunity I better car. I do think so. Yeah, it might be a McLaren car. Could be. I mean, Hamilton is could signed be. for one more year at least, so I think it'll be interesting to see where Ooh. these guys shuffle. If I mean, Hamilton could retire, obviously, just because he's under contract doesn't mean he doesn't stay. But I think uh, he, he, I think he's still hungry for one more. We'll see. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely some things on the horizon. Obviously, as we move forward, but. and this is the start of that year when those rumors start heating up. Like once that Piastri seat gets settled, there's going to be a ton of rumors coming out yep. throughout July, and that is very. It's really weird for a sport, in my opinion, but it's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, not weird for this sport, but also very exciting. The Canadian Grand Prix is it's set for, uh, is it this weekend, you guys? This yes. Weekend, yep. I actually didn't see it. It's coming this up. upcoming weekend, Montreal, the Circuit Gilles Villeneuve. This is a, a race. Villeneuve. Gilles Villeneuve. Gilles I was really impressed Villeneuve. earlier in the show. You, you <laughs> nailed Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan, which I was really impressed with. Uh, but you can't get the greatest Canadian driver of all time wrong. You just can't do it. Gilles Villeneuve is oh, a is Formula that, One champion. Who it is? Guys, I'm so new to this sport still. I, his, I mean, like, his first I've never race even win. seen a race in Montreal, let alone the Canadian no, Grand Prix. It's true. We haven't had the Canadian Grand Prix since 2019. Um, um, look, true. Looking true, at true. the track, it looks really sweet. There's two main DRS zones. There's 14 turns. Uh, what else do we need to know about this race? Other than Gilles Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Gilles Villeneuve. 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 There you go. Really just call him Gilles is he? Uh, He's French. It's just, it's, oh, it's not spelled around? right. 1978 was the first race here. It's not. Yeah. Spelled. And uh, <laughs> I think the way. first, I think the first winner of this race was Jill Villeneuve. Villeneuve. I think it was his first. It's the least French name, the way you say that. Jill yeah. Villeneuve. Jill Villeneuve. Come on. Father anyway. of Jacques Villeneuve. <laughs> Also okay, a Formula else? One driver. <laughs> yeah. What else we got to know with this race? Well, here's the thing. This is a great track. It is. It's. It's. It's because now it's started to grow and, and, and the sport has changed so much. It's actually one of the more like classic tracks by this point, mm. as you said, first uh, run in 1978. It's a. It's a really interesting track because there's some fun some fun sort of features to it. Lots of straightaway space speed. You definitely get that through sector three uh, and actually sector two, too, but there are some really interesting turns. So turn six is a tricky little one um, because it's kind of a bank turn and it makes a little move. And then turn eight is also a really tight little turn. That's one where a few years ago, I think the last time this race was actually raced, there was a bit of a controversial uh, finish because um into this turn it's a it's a tight turn but there's kind of a runoff into grass on the left hand side of it and Vettel who was at the time driving for Ferrari uh, struggled to make the turn and uh, maybe like lap 60 or something and he ended up coming off and then continuing on and in doing so kind of cut Hamilton off who was right on his tail uh, and they ended up giving uh, Vettel a five second penalty 
And it meant that even though he finished the Grand Prix in first place, Hamilton beat him from second position because of the time penalty. And Ferrari and Vettel were very upset that they did not believe that at any point he had, he had impeded Hamilton truly or that he had gained an advantage. Obviously, he'd gone off, but he made a safe return. And so it was this big sort of controversial thing that led to one of the more sort of iconic Vettel moments where he, act, he ended up parking his car um, uh, back in the pit lane instead of going to sort of the winner's circle or whatever at the end there in, in, in uh, the more traditional way where you'd line up behind the three numbers, you know, the placards they put out. So all you had at, at the finish line was um, number one being Lewis Hamilton and then number three, which was rookie Charles Leclerc at the time for Ferrari. And his car was parked in the third spot. There's no car in three and Vettel walked all the way back quite angry. By this point, the other drivers have already moved on. They've done their interviews. So about 10 minutes has passed. He gets there and he walked up, took the number two placard, put it in front of Hamilton's car, pulled the number one placard and put it where his car should have been and then walked away. And then they cut to the, the room, the, the cool down room, which they had back then. Now we've started to see it again. And the two of them, they, they just, it was the most testy, no words exchanged, awkward moment uh, the entire season because he was, he was irate. He believed he'd done nothing wrong, but you know, it, it's it, one of those iconic moments. So I don't think it'll be that dramatic for either Hamilton or Sebastian Vettel this week, but this track has the potential for some good drama. The other really interesting thing, I know Sounds I'm rambling, fun. but is number 10, Turn 10 is one of the most most iconic turns in all of Formula One because it's a full hairpin and it is really, really tricky to get the speed down, to get out of it and then get back on the gas when you're in traffic. So it's a fun overtake place if you can catch a guy not quite um, hitting the apex correctly um, and it can be a tricky little corner. So it's going to be a fun race. I'm really excited it's to see not, it back on, this, it, on the season. It's not as tricky as the Wall of Champions corner true, on turn true, 13, actually. which is it's called the Wall of Champions because it's taken out so many great drivers and champions. So turn 13 is all coming out of the that, uh, tricky chicane. Um, and it's the, it's the last turn that leads to the straight um, to the finish line straight. Um, so it does, it's taken out a lot of people. It's been, it has been deemed like it's safer and safer each year. They've been kind of adjusting it, but uh, it is known to take people out. And also this uh, just, this was Lewis Hamilton's first ever win was on this track. Oh, nice. And I believe uh, I'd have to look this up, but I, I remember reading this yesterday. I also believe he's, he currently holds the record for most wins at this track. Tied. He's tied, tied with okay, there you go. Uh, Schumacher. There you go. So a track he really loves. Bottas has the fastest lap record on this, on this uh, track. Is that right, you guys? That's great. That doesn't surprise me either because the Mercedes have loved this track for nah. the last several, several years. Well, that's definitely one of those tracks. Well, that, well, as I said, there's potential for it to, to, to maybe be able to iron out some of their issues because like in Barcelona, there's a lot of good flat out spaces, speed spaces, and they were able to figure out how to get good speed out of their car in Barcelona. But as I said, too, this is still a street track. There could be potential for some areas on it that, that give the, the guys a little bit of challenge if they have um, if they've reduced that ride height for, for maximum downforce and we'll see what happens, I guess. But uh, I would expect that you're still going to see a great result out of the Ferraris and Red Bulls because they have done really well on these kind of circuits. Um, but but there's lots of potential for fun stuff here. And the, the biggest thing is it's like some of these drivers have never driven this track because it's been three or four years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Nick Schumacher has not yet been here as a Formula One driver. Obviously, Zhao. Um, I mean, a couple of uh, Yuki Sonoda's never driven here. Yeah. So there's the, it could be fun for a few of these guys to get out there and try out one of the more iconic circuits and great for Canada to have it back. Cause obviously as we've talked 
on and on, you know, in North America, the sport is growing and growing and growing. And um, we saw Miami come in this year, but this is one of the more uh, iconic tracks uh, in general. And it'll be a lot of fun to have back on the, on the, on the calendar next weekend. And it's one of the driver's favorite courses as well. They talked about that um, the other day is that, that a lot of these drivers really love racing this track. So it's also nice, nice for us because it starts at 2 PM Eastern and yeah. 11 AM Pacific. That's right. And I think, I believe qualifying is actually later in the day on Saturday. I think it's like Saturday afternoon. Um, it's about four o'clock Eastern. Yeah. So it's, uh, that, that's a benefit, I think, for us, which we don't get to say often. So you can actually sleep in, have a coffee, and watch a race live. You can count on it. Okay, guys. Well, the Grand Prix du Canada goes uh, this upcoming weekend. Practice, like uh, Tyler, Tyler said there, uh, practice one and two goes uh, June 17th. Uh, practice three and qualifying on the 18th Saturday with the race going on the 19th at uh, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So, uh, yeah, it should be fun. I'm, I'm really excited to, to have a race on our home soil. Hopefully, Lance Stroll and Latifi can show... Uh, a better performance uh, in finish. Home. and maybe finish. a finish wouldn't that be nice uh and uh we'll we'll chat after we'll chat after this race uh, uh, has george russell raced here before because hmm. that's that's actually before. interesting because he's obviously been the most consistent driver this year always top five just coming off a podium i wonder and like if you said george with mercedes Russell's having a good before. a good time on this track it could be could be a good yeah, that's uh, uh, he definitely has not raced here in Formula One. So, ah, that's awesome. That's a, that's a storyline to watch. I, I, that is a storyline to watch. Rock and and I, will, I will be watching. All right, guys. Uh, the Pits Up Podcast is pre- presentation of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Jordan, Tyler. Thanks, guys. And I, I got uh, news right now Hamilton says I wouldn't miss Canada for the world. Ah, boy. Gotta love him. And we'll see you out there on Sunday. Right on. Thanks for listening. Pit Stop Podcast is a presentation of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.